0: Hey, Cracked fans, if you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring spun heirloom cotton, and try blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code, Cracked15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts. 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is Cracked15. podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, December 29th. It is crazy to think, but folks, the 2022 professional tennis season is right around the corner. We are inching closer and closer to the start of all of the action that excites tennis fans across the world. Of course, Australian Open, the big carrot at the end of the January stick, but you look even more closely to next week, we'll get challenger action. Rocking and rolling again. ATP Cup rocking and rolling again. You look at some of the WTA draws in Australia, they are absolutely loaded right out of the gates. Of course, the ITF circuit never stops. College tennis getting ready to rock and roll again. I know on the junior level, at least here in the States, it's Winter Nationals week across the country as well plenty of tennis for us to get excited about on this show. But of course before we turn the page towards 2022, we want to do a little bit more projecting of what we think might unfold over the next year of action. And if you are a follower on Tennis Twitter, I guarantee you at some point over the past month you have seen maybe the most adventurous exercise, the most ambitious exercise any member of Tennis Twitter has undertaken here this offseason. Of course, I'm Referring to the list of the top 50 young talents being crafted by our friend Damien Koost. He started at number 50, has worked his way all the way down to his top three players. We're gonna be a bit of a spoiler alert today on this podcast. You're gonna find out who those top three players are. You will not find out the order that those top three players are in, but look. Anytime someone's breaking down top 50 prospects, you know we're going to talk about it here on this show. And what we want to do, rather than break down every player, we want to talk about the disagreements, where you know we see certain guys going, where we may disagree on other guys in terms of their upside, in terms of their floor, in terms of what we may expect to see from them in 2022. And to help us do that on today's show, we brought in the man... Behind the list of the top 50 young talents entering the 2022 season, of course, you may know him as a writer for our website, CrackRackets.com, as a writer for Last Word on Tennis, the host of the greatest ATP Challenger-centric show you can find every Monday on our Great Shot podcast feed, a man with a brilliant off-season beard. Of course, I'm referring to my friend Damien Coos. Damien, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm doing well. I mean, I'm gonna pretend that this is just my off-season beard that uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually do that every single month. Uh, yes. Uh, anyhow, I just wanted to disclaim that, like, I, I, I didn't even have the idea for this list. This is to thanks to a to a French friend. I, I actually didn't know him at all when he DM'd me on Twitter in October and asked whether I would like to do this with him. Uh, apparently, he's already done it a few times. Uh it's it, the whole thing is in French but Google Translate will help you if you want to read it. Uh, he started from 100. His name is uh, Julien Caragonu. I hope I'm not butchering it. Uh, <laughs> I think he's uh, on Twitter he's under Julien K tennis or something like that. So you should easily be able to find it. Anyhow he started from 100. He's done a lot more work than I did. But he <laughs> well he, he messaged me and asked whether I would like to do my my top 50 and so that people have you know two different takes. As it turned out, our lists are really comparable. I mean, for the top 10, I believe we have eight of the same players. Mm-hmm. And the, the ones that aren't in my top 10 were actually 10th and 9th on his list. So <laughs> so it's it's really close, but it, I guess it just shows that uh, most people who, who, who follow challengers and ITF tennis a lot tend to think... Uh, similar on the on the potential of most players, we obviously had some some guys who weren't on my list but were on his and all. Uh, but he did it from a hundred, so that's that's even more impressive. And I I I didn't even. I don't know if I if I, I probably heard most of the names on his list, but there were some players in the nineties where I would be very struggling to even you know, just write a tweet about. So so huge respect to him and the idea is is absolutely great. And especially as a as a December thread, I think it, it works extremely well.
0: No, first of all, I'm having Westoff cut all of that so that people just hear it was my idea. I'm just going to find those four words in that rant and that people give you all of the credit. But of course, these are the sorts of lists that are just perfect for December content. And for me, I go back to, I think it was Second Serb was his, I don't know if that was his Twitter name, that was his blog name. And he used to do his top 15 prospects dating back to, I want to say, like 2012, 2013. That was one of the original tennis blogster posts. And yeah, why do you do that in in December because it's the perfect time to project the perfect time to again use your imagination talk about what might be possible for so many players over the course of the next season and again it's a comprehensive list. You talk about players who, you know, perhaps people have never heard of. Of course, for us college tennis fans here at Cracked Rackets, I was thrilled to see the inclusion of people like Alexi Galarno, to see the inclusion of people like Clement Chidek, and, you know, Ben Shelton as well. I think you may have missed out on a couple of college players, and believe me, we'll get there over the course of this podcast. But I do want to set the ground rules for your list. And of course, if you have not found or have not read Damien's list, maybe what we'll do if you want to compile all all fifty of your tweets and just put them together in one article, no editing. We can post all the top fifty on our Crack Rackets website, just so can people can see them all in one coherent location. We'll do that when we post this podcast. Uh, but just so people know, here was the criteria. And again, this is a criteria for both you and Julian. You said the players had to be born nineteen ninety nine or later interesting cutoff date i might have gone 2000 just to make it a little bit cleaner but i like the 99 inclusion so again these players all born 1999 or later that means none of them going to be older than the age of 22 of course they have to be oh please go ahead
1: yeah if i can trip in i mean i think he did last year's list he went 1998 or later that's why that's that's why he couldn't really yeah
0: Ah, okay. So, interesting. Twenty, You know, for us, 21 is always just the kind of drinking age in the United mm-hmm. States, and that's just always what it seems to be, 21 or under. But I appreciate that little disclaimer. So, again, born 1999 or later, have to be in the top 1,000 as of October 1st, 2021, I believe, was the yes, requirement yes, yes. for that. They also have to have no ATP titles. They have to have no— <clears throat> Excuse me, Grand Slam second weeks, and they had to have never been in the top 100. Now, what does that "never been in the top 100" mean? Obviously, that means Yannick Sinner, who would clearly be on this list. Felix Al seem clearly on this list. Dennis Shapovalov, Carlos Alcaraz, you know, Alex Dimonowers of the world. Although Dimonower might be a hair too old, but you know, Sebastian Cortas, those sorts of guys, the the guys who have cracked the top 100 names we already are comfortable with. We've seen the rise of a Jensen Brooksby. We've seen the rise of a brand did Nakashima. It'd be interesting to me where Myamir Kasimenevich would land on this list, and I may ask you that question at the end of this podcast just to see where some of those fringe guys—fringe is a little bit of a stretch—but some of those guys who haven't solidified themselves in the top 30 but have cracked the top 100, where you would place them on this list moving forward? That's something we want to talk about on today's show. But again, want to discuss the players who are on the rise, the players you may see rip off a couple of challenger titles the way a Juan Manuel Serendolo does, the way a Sebastian Baez had, the way, you know, all of these players have over the course of the past 12 months, so that when they do in 2022, you'll be prepared for them. You'll say, well, I heard about that on the Damian Alex pod on Wednesday, because who doesn't listen to the Wednesday, December 29th podcast here at the mini break? I know all of you listeners are um, You know, and that's why it's such an exciting exercise. I'm really excited for today's show. Before we get into any disagreements, any specific names, I do want to ask broadly because, of course, everyone has their preferences in terms of players, right? Whether it's the weapons, whether it's the fitness, whether it's result centric. I'm sure you were trying to balance all three of those things in compiling your list. But I am curious, when you look at younger players, and again, you can hear you and Jakob discuss this each and every week, Mondays, Great Shot podcast feed, best challenger coverage in the business. But I am curious, again, more broadly, what were the traits to, that you value most? What were the things that, when you're making your list, would allow someone to jump to the top versus you know, being a 30s, 40s, 50s sort of guy?
1: yeah i mean one brief thing that i have to say about the criterias as well is that uh, the criteria not the criteria <laughs> sure. never mind uh anyhow never been in the top 100 also refers to october 1st okay uh, gotcha. yeah which might which might be a little iffy for some people i actually couldn't put it in the tweet because it was
0: character long. limit yeah <laughs> yeah character <laughs> sure, sure sure sure
1: uh but but that's why sebastian bias is still eligible, eligible despite being in the top 100 he only got there in november 22nd. So I could have eliminated him, but Jul- Julien started his list in October or maybe even earlier than that, I think. Sure. Maybe even in September. So Serrondolo, so-
0: Juan Manuel Serrondolo, would not qualify for this list, right? Because he had cracked the top 100.
1: Yes but he also actually at ed- when well, and G- and the ATP started- title. True, true, yeah true. exactly yeah. ATP title I think was designed just to eliminate Serundolo. <laughs> and uh, second GS second weeks was to eliminate Gaston, I think ah. but but then both of them actually made it to the top 100 so it makes sense so in the end mm-hmm. it was actually only Bias that cracked the top 100 since uh, since the criteria were first established uh, so so that's the only player that that's that's you know has to be um, has to be in there, but he actually wouldn't be uh, based on the criteria that I put out in the in the tweet. Thankfully, Rune didn't uh, didn't crack didn't crack the top one hundred.
0: No, the Anyhow, other guy would uh-huh. be a Diego Sabathild, Sebe- 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 right? Because he has an uh, he ATP, has an ATP, ATP title, title, so he's yeah. another one who hasn't cracked the top one hundred. But again, that's why he's not included on this list. But I, I'm going to ask yeah. you, by the way, about all of those players, the ones who were be fringe at the end, where okay. you might place them on their list. But I didn't mean to cut you off. So again, characteristic wise. Give me the lowdown who are what were the things that you value most in these young players?
1: I mean, I think everyone just looks at weapons mostly because okay. it's so much easier to predict the ceiling of a of an aggressive player than someone who will base his game more on. Fitness, as you said more on touch more on being uh, a great counter puncher it's just way harder to predict the ceilings of these guys who also tends to probably break the top 100 or reach their potential a little bit later so i think every single list like that would be a little bit inflated with uh, powerful players especially mine probably since this is the the style of tennis that i enjoy the most but i try to try to stay ob- uh, objective of course uh, if you can even be any objective sure. in, a, in a list like this uh, i was certainly looking at how they fare against uh higher ranked opposition that's that's also one of the keys how they can do on all surfaces that's that's another one uh it, it was very hard to actually position these players, especially when there was a big age difference. Uh, Julian told me that the reason he implemented that in the top 100, 1,000 uh, criterion is because he uh, felt like with the juniors, it would be just very hard to say if a 15-year-old has the higher potential rather than, sure. uh, I don't know, who's like, Kasper Jokis, is maybe the oldest player that still made the list because sure. I think he's from Jan- January 1999 uh it, it was still impossible to to balance someone who's 21 22. uh galavnoi is also one of the oldest i think but anyhow uh you know just compare him to a 15 year old junior and uh, i mean the i guess there aren't any 15 year olds in the top sure. to the top 1000 but there are 16 year olds there are 17 year olds uh and that was pretty much impossible so i'm i'm not happy about all the placements on the list i was actually you know i kept changing them it's not like on december 5th or yeah i I made the post on december 5th i had the whole list ready i actually had some short lists you know guys who i will eliminate and for example my number four pick when i started it probably would have been my number 10 or something like (laughs) that but then i just couldn't really eliminate him i couldn't get myself to do it so it's it's a whole mess uh, a whole big mess, but I mean, I, ho- I hope it was fun. It was fun for me. Uh, yeah. I, it received a lot of uh, positive reactions, which I'm very happy with, because I, I was quite insecure doing this. Okay. I, I regretted agreeing to this back in October. <laughs> uh, but I mean, people liked it, so I, I am happy that that's, that that's how it went. And uh, but But yes, coming back to the question, uh I, I think it's you know too many power player, powerful players probably there too many attacking players uh, but then again it's it's just way harder to predict how someone with with other assets will actually do uh and and yes and how they fare against better opposition how they can uh, also i mean that that's probably connected to their weapons but but how they uh in my view at least can fare against atp tour players potentially because that's we're not really looking like the the aim is not to look at next at the next season specifically but more in terms of you know a a longer their careers it's and then again it's also very hard because of the age difference you know someone who is very developed at the age of 22 or 21 uh, will obviously be ranked a little bit higher than a 16 year old because it's simply impossible to tell yet
0: Yeah, no, to your point, and I've been burned by this, listeners will know this story... 14-year-old me, 13-year-old, well, 13-year-old me I suppose was a little too early. 14-15-year-old me was convinced Stefan Kozlov was going to be the number 1 player in the world because you saw the creativity, the feel, how good he was at all aspects of tennis already. And yet, with hindsight, the past 7 years has been for him about developing a weapon, making life easy for himself. And so you bring up the fact for weapons. Yeah, I think the closer you follow the game and, you know, the more you watch Challenger level ATP level ITF level, that is what differentiates the good from the great. How easy is it for you to win free points? How easy can you make a match for yourself? Because, of course, tennis is a 50-week sport, and if you're struggling each and every point that you play, it's just very difficult to sustain the level of physicality now required to be a consistent top 100, top 150, top 200 sort of guy. And to your point right now, and this is the end of the year, not October 1st, but right now, there are five players under the age of 18, inside the top 1,000. Now, I am a 1,000% confident that had you updated your list and not made the October 1st rule but made it a January 1st rule, that Jun Chung Shang, also known as Jerry Shang, would have been probably top 10 in your list, or if not top 10, probably top 20. Like, uh, the point is he would have cracked the top 50. For certain, and so you know that's a guy who's who's we're not going to talk about today. But you look at the ITF success he had in North America, in the United States in particular, down the home stretch for him to win multiple futures titles, for him to have had the ITF junior success, that pedigree as well. All signs point towards a guy who is going to have some success early in his career. A guy we will be talking about moving forward. And of course, you know, again, it's worth mentioning just anecdotally. I suppose I am going to talk about him quickly. Anyone who watches him play says weapons, weapons, weapons. They say this guy hits the cover off of the ball. And for him to hit the ball as big as he does at age 16, that's sort of indicative, again, of the traits you are looking for. Just quickly, for those curious, here are the under-18 players in the top 1,000. Number one, Luca van Asche, who, poor guy, like— that last name's going to get made fun of as soon as he makes it at the biggest level. We'll be rooting for you, Luca. Uh, he's number 503 right now in the world, 17 and a half years old. Pretty damn solid. You've got Arthur Fee, who, of course, talented freshman, who I believe is on your list in the top 50.
1: Is, is as well.
0: Yeah, so both of these guys. Yes, I appreciate yep. that. So, again... Guys who have had success, part of a French revolution, dare we say, no pun intended, and there's a bunch of talented young Frenchmen. Uh, we've got Jerry Shang as well, Daniel Marida Aguilar, and then Gabriel Debreu. Is Gabriel Debreu on your list? No, because that's a new uh, he was to-
1: not. He was not in the, top, in the Top 1000 at the time. I don't know he would have been. I mean, I, I just saw him play like four matches at the very same challenger that he he did so well in yeah so um, I guess probably he's very very developed physically for his age Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah shank definitely would have been in uh, and probably quite high Uh, I love that forehand I think people tend to Mm um you know just because he's asian and somewhat small people tend to already think of him as the next saying mochizuki or sure. i don't know even nishikori who's for for a lot of his career had injury issues and and struggles to to win three points as he said and and i guess that's not really true if he hits his forehand as well as i've seen him do in in the matches that i watched him in uh, even in that uh us open final that he lost against daniel rincon I mean, rincon is like to over two years older right mm-hmm. so so uh it, but even even if shank lost it i mean you could you could just see that this is a guy who's gonna have a better transition to the pros that than Rincon potentially and we can already see that obviously i didn't expect him to win three ITFs out of four he played but but yeah. th- that was, that was insane.
0: No. And again, what I love about your list is there may be four people in the world. And I like to think they all appear on crack rackets podcast, myself, you, Jakob and David Gertler, who would have a take on Giovanni, Pecci Pericard. And I was just like to see him at number 33. yeah, there's more than four, four people. Obviously you throw, uh, you know, there are others point being, because of
1: Ron Garos, maybe some, some, yeah. some, you know, but the, the, fewer the, the, than 20, the right. Runner.
0: We'll say fewer than 20 would have a definitive take on him. I just love that you have a take again this is why you're perfect for this exercise, this is why people are gravitating towards you, this is why people are stealing you for non-Crack Rackets podcast appearances, and I totally get that, by the way, because again, no one has their, if I say it each and every week on the podcast, no one has their finger on the pulse of what is happening, not just at the ATP tour, but at all levels of professional tennis, uh, quite like you and Jakob, and so again, that's what makes this exercise really fun. Now, I did. we talk about the weapons, and again, This is where, let's get into some disagreements. Let's talk about specific players. I think we have to start right away uh, with Joonson Sung, who of course goes by Jason Sung, and I had the chance to meet him back in... I want to say 2018, 2019, when he was playing an exhibition event uh, over in uh, Stowe, Vermont, it's part of the top notch, whatever wildcard challenge. It was, it was really, really fun to get to see him play. And of course, I believe he's a junior Wimbledon champion as well. He's a guy. Two or, slums. Yeah, two yeah. junior slam champions. Rob so, uh, Wimbledon,
1: and he, he was also in the final at the Australian Open.
0: And he had, again, massive junior pedigree. Now, of course, you look for him right now, currently, I believe, 20 years old. So he, you know, turns 21 in August of next season. Coming off of his first challenger title at the end of December, he goes to Maya, makes the final in week one, loses in three sets to Jeffrey Blancano, ends up winning uh, that second week, beats our guy, Nuno Borges, in the final uh, of that second challenger. He is a bit inauspiciously low. Damien like again number 35 on your list and this gets to the weapon debate this is the first guy I want to discuss because this might be our biggest disagreement moving forward to me like It's fascinating you have a guy like him lower than a Pericard, lower than a, you know, a Mateus Almeida, lower than even an Emilio Nava, who all these guys have massive weapons, and yet, you know, again, this guy number 35 on your list, and I just want to read this for the listeners, because every so often you gotta throw some red meat to the fans. You say, controversially low? Maybe, but I kind of lost hope he will ever become what he was in juniors. Adding more power seems unlikely with his physique, and his great feel for the ball just hasn't been enough. The run he's just had in maya doesn't change my opinion now he's had a second run in maya since then and so let's just start right here if you could redo your list is that maybe one of the ones you would move up further is that one you would maybe move back on what leads to him being at number 35 because i've got taken you know again on my list he is far higher than that
1: yeah i I kind of expected that you would disagree with this i i think (laughs) so you're making uh like I saw you saying somewhere that he could break the top 100 next year or something. I do think so, yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, I probably would have put him a few spots higher just because that that final against Nuno was like the probably the first time I saw him play what I consider uh, a top 100 ish level. Sure. And he was actually able to stop a very aggressive, very dominant player. uh, counterpunched so well in that and even in the in the third set where Borges was admittedly a bit gassed he was able to actually start you know start injecting some pace start dominating the points uh, and I, I I think it did change my opinion a bit but then again um, you know if these two weeks in Maya never happened would you be disagreeing with this so much or, or, or would it be like, how, how much did, did these two weeks shape your opinion on, on what Sen can do? Because the whole season, honestly, hasn't been great, like, at all, for, for, for the most part. No. And I, I just didn't like the the staleness that his game has been in since 2019, pretty much.
0: So it's fair. He was 28 and 24 on the year if you take out the two weeks in Maya. And, like, obviously that is not headline stuff, although he was able to compete at the challenger level, make a couple of quarterfinals, semifinals here and there in ways, guys, you know, a little bit further up on your list. A guy like, say, you know, Zach Svida hasn't really done yet. A guy like Rinky Hijikata, who I think that's a byproduct of him playing college tennis, and I actually like Rinky being as high up on, his, on your list as he is. Um, in ways, those guys haven't yet. The reason why I would have him hire is just quite frankly, I have seen people like, and I'm going to call him Jason Sung because that's how Mm -hmm. I met him as, um, I've seen – his game succeed before to me and I, you know it's always difficult to make comparisons I think he's just a slightly smaller version of Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and I know that's a bold comparison to make but there's an athleticism about sung and you you talk about the feel that he has the craft around the court and it was so fascinating watching him play Nuno for the first time to your point almost dictating in that match. And it's very rare that he's the one being the aggressor, being on his front foot, but it was noticeable to me, and credit to Nuno, who played extraordinarily well in the first set and almost had him in that second set. Nuno was the one who had to take risks, who had to take the ball early, take that big backhand down the line because Sung had him on a string. And I just think that quality to Sung is something not replicable. Like There are some people who are just meant to have a tennis racket in their hand and have incredible craft and feel around the court. I do think he's one of those people. Now, to your point, yeah, the serve hangs up. Like There's no doubt about that. And you look for him in his career, and according, of course, via our friends at Tennis Abstract, 73.6 hold percentage in challenger-level matches. That's just not going to get the job done. That said, 31% break percentage. That's pretty damn exceptional. And again, you look at that 31% number, if you were to translate that to a top 50 player ATP-wise, that would be a top 5, top 10 sort of number when you're breaking over 30% of the time you are getting the job done. And I just don't think you can... I just, I think that feel is very difficult to duplicate. Case in point, you look at a guy like Martin Dom, who clearly, 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", he's going to have the weapons. He's got the modern physical profile. His top gear... It, it You can find a place for it in the top 100. But I think Sung will be able to develop the weapons. I do think, and I saw it again in that match, his ability to take the ball early, his ability to use his speed as the thing that allows him to, you know, again, beat you to the spot, and what he lacks in pace he makes up for in speed. I've seen that quality succeed. And I just think, again, from a field perspective, from a pedigree perspective perspective, some people just know how to win tennis matches. Sung is one of those people who has gotten by without the lack of weapons thus far, but I you see the strength slowly developing and I just I saw enough signs of weapons particularly from him down the home stretch, particularly now across surfaces that 35 just feels a little low. I agree. <laughs> I
1: mean, the the way he played in, the, in that final against it know, was not like
0: I, I don't know how yeah. like Spida could be above him at this point. Just because again, okay. with, with the, the pedigree of both of them, and they both have pedigree. And to Spida's credit, you know, he won, He's done it at the U.S. Open a little bit. You know, that the match mm-hmm. he played against Sinner this year, he played so well at that U.S. Open yeah. for sure. But he just again, we've seen Sung do it more consistently at the challenger level than Svidra has to this point.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to disagree with this. As I said, I would have placed saying like, a few spots higher, probably. Sure. Uh, I just, I feel like the the way he, uh, you know, having watched him a, a lot in the in the past two or three years, I feel like the the match against Borges has been the outlier. Uh, like, especially in terms of how he was able to, as you said, be the dominant player for some big chunks of that match. Like that mostly doesn't really work out for him. At any attempts to accelerate mostly and uh it were, you know with a netted ball or or, or something like that in, in in the case of him so i i don't know uh just that just that one single match is it enough for me to you know to get convinced i guess i mean a bit i i am really excited to see him at the australian open uh he got a wild card which was a bit of a surprise but i guess they they never held the Asia Pacific playoff or or how was it called something like yeah, that right yeah yeah uh, I guess they never held it I am super excited to see how he does because this is actually going to be uh, one of the not not the first but one of still one of the first matches that he has against someone potentially in the top 100 we don't know the, the draw yet obviously but but this is going to be exciting especially as this year i think the, uh, the what were the stats that you gave for break and hold percentage for just for 2021
0: yeah, uh, no, no, that that was, I believe, car- or yeah, I believe that was 2021, yes. No, 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 no yeah, career. So, I'm looking at it now. Oh, that's career, career okay. at the challenger level. And that's over okay. about 50 matches at the challenger level, which isn't the biggest sample size, but pretty relevant sample size. Once you hit that 50 mark, feels a little bit real, more real. Yeah, I it's probably enough. I, I
1: I was mostly asking about this because this year he played basically only on clay. Sure. But the years good before point. he... Very good. Yeah, the, the years before he played on hard uh, more than on clay, so... Uh, so yeah, no, no no disagreement there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider really convinced me with these U.S. Open performances for sure. Uh, in not not only this year, but also the one where he lost to Lorenzi was was quite insane. Uh, I loved watching him in Puerto Vallarta, um, which I believe was was a pretty good uh like just, just just gave me a pretty good idea of how he can fare against players like daniel meyer for example that that was a fantastic match between the two and and there are some limitations obviously but but he i don't know the, the way he just ca- cannot miss a ground stroke is 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 insane to me and he i mean in terms of the sheer natural talent, Sank should be should be higher than him for sure Mm-hmm. Uh but it's it's so hard to tell I mean natural talent what even is that Yeah uh, that's what people usually call I guess I don't know shit making No and weapons, weapons like as if well. the
0: natural power See the thing is I think saying does have that natural talent and that just it's in it's an incalculable—or it's an inreplicable feel. Like, there's only so many people who could take that ball early on the rise. And I, my thing why I like Sung so much is because I think modern tennis, yes, it's important to have the weapons, but I think it's—in terms of, yeah, the serve is super important— But I think as opposed to maximizing strengths, I think today's men's tennis is about minimizing weaknesses. I think if you've got a glittering weakness now, all of these players are just going to attack, attack, attack. They're going to take that 80% play into that weakness over and over and over again to the point where it's going to expose it. And, you know, why has Francis Tiafo made the jumps that he's made? Because the forehand has slowly been minimized as a weakness, and now it's to the point where he hits the forehand comfortably. The racket speed has caught up, even if the backswing's still a little bit big. And just, you know, for Sung, what I would say is, okay, the second serve's a weakness. Everyone's second serve's a weakness. Like, everyone's second serve can get better. And so the pathway for him to continue to improve, like, if you're telling me, the thing I dislike about him most is the strength, is the, is the speed that he's able to generate. That is the one thing that is controllable. That is the one thing that every player can continue to get better at. Now, he's got a ceiling that perhaps others don't, but to me, and this is how we'll change players here, and obviously, if you've got any more saying thoughts, please throw them out there, but who's the guy saying beat in the final of the 2018 Junior Wimbledon? It's a guy by the name of Jack Draper who is, I believe, you look at your list, I want to say he's number six on your list. Uh, yeah, number six on your list. I'm number six, yeah. Yeah, six, six on your list. Yeah. And to read, again, Jack Draper got all the power required and has really developed physically in the past few months, which is a huge, as he used to struggle with his fitness a lot. Now, I would agree with that assessment to a T. Control over his ground strokes isn't, inc- oh, is my, is my no, mic. Microphone- no. Okay. Sorry. No, it's 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 a
1: question of just listening to what I wrote. Okay, that's good. <laughs> okay,
0: because I was gonna say listeners are asking why I did that. Jamie's squirming a little bit in his chair. I no, I I just I just I'm just really you no know, Yeah, it's, but, so it's
1: he's, really cringe worthy. But
0: yeah, no, I yeah. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna be fine. Okay, good. I, it's so funny because you know flip side, there's nothing I enjoy more than hearing myself quoted. This is why you're much more humble, and this is why people invite you on other shows, is because you are, do have a humbleness about you. You say control over his ground strokes isn't quite there yet, but the wins over Sinner and Bublik won't be one-offs. See, this is where we disagree, because to me, when I watch Jack Draper, you're right, that top speed it can be exceptional. And there's no doubt. I mean, he won a set off of Novak freaking Djokovic at Wimbledon. For anyone to do that, let alone a you know, a nineteen year old at the time, just turned twenty here at the end of December. Happy belated birthday to him. Extraordinarily impressive. That said, and, and you know, Jack Draper also a lefty, which you just don't see a lot of big lefties, powerful server. You know, imagine Yuri Vesely with a little better movement. Like that's always when I see a big lefty, I go, Yuri Vesely just, you know, a little bit more dynamic. We've seen that have success into the top 100. I do agree with you. I think Jack Draper, with his game, with his power tennis, his physical profile, currently number 265, he will crack the top 100 at some point. And yet, you know, when you look at him throughout the course of his career, 94 and 47 overall, he's had a ton of success at the ITF level. That said, 12 and 16 in challengers, 10 and 7 in his career when playing on clay courts. And, you know, you go back to the 2019 season season, he was 41 and 17 overall, was ripping through futures events and having all of these different successes. And, you know, 17 and 6 in 2020 overall as well. A couple of futures uh, finals and titles mixed in there as well. That said, to me, I think there's a weakness. Like when I watch Jack Draper, I know exactly what plan A is going to be hit the big serve, hit the big forehand, look to move forward, be the aggressor. I love that. There's a lot of people in the top 100 who you can say that about. And for me, it's like, for Draper, what's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D for him moving forward? Yeah, he'll have the weeks where he's serving lights out. And when he serves lights out, he can beat you. And that's indicative of his ceiling but I think his floor is a little bit too low to have him all the way up at number six, to have him above guys like and again, you're starting to see my types here but the Casper Jukes of the world and just, you know, again, the Thomas Matchek's of the world, who I just know like I know what I'm getting from them match in, match out. I don't really know what I'm getting from Draper.
1: It is a fair argument. I mean he's his, his charter performances have been quite certainly a little disappointing mm-hmm. i guess i was go- i actually going into the list i i thought of having him at, at many different places but mostly it was the top 10 i mean i i think i i think i had uh, had it in my mind from the very beginning to have him in the top 10 but i was i was very comp- convinced by how he his body developed this year because i think fitness used to be a huge issue for him the, even this year he retired from five matches if i remember correctly mm-hmm. i'm trying to, to 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 look at it now uh i see four i, I believe there was a fifth one as well or maybe there, there were just. Four. i trust
0: your brain either way yeah
1: No, it, it's four i think but anyhow uh that used to be a huge issue for him and when i saw him and i actually saw him live in Helsinki this year And I I almost didn't recognize him (laughs) because the last time I the last time I saw him on decent cameras was probably Wimbledon. (laughs) but then it's just you know the 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 challenger streaming that where the quality is usually a little subpar. Mm -hmm. And I I I I looked at this guy and I was like, who the hell is this? (laughs) He he just really uh, you know built up his body in terms of the muscles. I don't know if it's gym work or if it's just natural development. And I feel like since then we haven't really seen issues. Uh, although, admittedly, he played on mostly on very fast surfaces. There weren't really any, you know, any uh, long battles, that grueling matches that he had to endure. Uh, in terms of whether his floor will be good, I don't. I, I have no idea. I mean, uh, it's it's very hard to balance, which you also mentioned earlier, the like the results and the eye test yeah this is probably one where i trusted the results a bit like especially against these opponents like public like sinner even nori the the loss he had in in queen's club uh, djokovic of course uh, this is maybe one where I trusted the results a little bit more than what you can see on the eye test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe for most of the list, I was actually doing the completely opposite, <laughs> completely the opposite way. I tend to say that I don't believe in results. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if... <laughs> That's why you're near
0: and dear to my heart. That's why we love you so.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, there are oftentimes it happens that someone tries to talk to me about uh, a certain player and says, I don't know, he beat someone or he reached a quarterfinal at an atp event and i say i don't care i mean <laughs> i just don't see it when that that's uh, you know that run wasn't so good i mean what's it's certainly very random whether you reach uh, i don't know a quarterfinal or a semi-final like, mm-hmm. in one event that's that' is nothing but anyhow back to the point uh yeah <laughs> i mean i can totally see the the case for draper not uh not 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 potentially not being very consistent in terms of his results i do think that next year will probably be where he starts uh, progressing like very rapidly at least that's what i'm expecting i think this year was wasted by by injuries by by some fitness issues as i said Uh, and then he never really got the chance to i don't know to speed up to to try to look for uh, for some very consistent results and much practice uh, but I, I am expecting that next year. Uh, I hope he can do uh, as well on grass again, but that's obviously not really what I'm looking at when I said that I, uh, that I was trying to pay attention to how they do on different surfaces. I mean, grass is such a novelty these days. That, sure. You know, how many points you can actually get on grass unless you're winning Wimbledon. But but, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am expecting him to, to get better simply at, at having that floor next year uh whether it, we're talk- if we're talking about plan b i mean this is probably a thing that you just have to sort of establish find as as you progress through the rankings mm-hmm. uh whether he can do that i don't know uh, in in a way i think he's he's shown it a few times uh, the, even the first set against djokovic at wimbledon it, it wasn't really jack draper playing that you know boom boom tennis sort of i think Mm -hmm. i think he had some some really good ideas and tactical patterns there and i uh, i don't know i just i guess i just believe in in the talent that he has this is a guy who could certainly who can certainly produce an insane peak level yeah will the floor come you know, yeah, I'm not Nostradamus, no but I
0: mean, sure. No, to your point, again, we've seen that that ceiling. And I think we've seen him play better in an individual match than so we probably have seen Jason Tseng play. That said, and you know what this is to me, is I was going all in on Yuri Rodionov before the start of the season and just, boom, was that a bust. And I was just like, the thing is, the game feels very solvable. And I know that's, again, he's 20 years old. Doesn't turn 21 till the end of the year and has plenty of time to develop. But just, I don't think the backhand's particularly dynamic. I don't think the defensive skill set is there quite yet. And I think it's a lot easier to teach offense than it is to teach defense. And I know, you know, I think there are inherent gifts that benefit offense far much more than they do defense, such as a serve, such as the ability to hit the cover off of a plus one forehand and Jack Draper without question can do that, and I love his willingness to move forward, and that aggression is unteachable. When I talk lower on his upside, that's not to say I don't think he can be a top 100 player. I think I said that at the beginning. That you he said that, yeah. Abso- yeah, that he absolutely can be. It's just, to me, again, in terms of the dynamicism of his game, like, I just don't see him having the defensive skills to hang You know, the combination of defensive skill or fluidity. Like, look at a guy like Denis Shapovalov, who somehow, by the way, would still qualify for this freaking list if he hadn't been a top one. you (laughs) You know, he's still young enough to qualify for this list is what I'm trying to say. But there's an athleticism to him and a fluidity in the outer thirds of the court that even when playing defensive tennis isn't his best gear, he has that gear to him. We've seen that from him. To me, when you push a Jack Draper or a Yuri Rodianov, uh, Rodianov, uh, Rodianov or even a Martin Dom right now, who I feel bad because I saw Martin Dom's two worst matches of the summer. I saw him lose first round of Champagne Futures, and then I saw him lose early at Kalamazoo. And so like my Martin Dom experience was not the best Martin Dom experience. But those guys just—I love big lefties it just feels a little bit solvable. So I guess, again, from a disagree, that's just a a style of play thing. I, I do agree with you, like the ceilings those guys are able to reach, they're undeniable. And I do think they can all be top 100 players. I guess for me, the threshold that this list is there are so many talented youngsters who are a bit more dynamic, who I think if they're able to develop the plus one weapon, if they're able to just solid, you know, make the serve a bit more solid, they just have more options to them moving forward than some of these other guys. You know, that said, I mean, looking on this list, it's so funny. I talk about, you know, plus one power lefties. That seems to be the theme. If I'm going all in on a guy and I'm not going to say, look, there are some obvious candidates who we haven't discussed yet. And you've published up to number three on your list, which, by the way, Yuri Lahechka, we've talked about at length when I, whenever, I feel like whenever I have you on the show, we talk Lahechka. So we're not going to do that today. Yeah. So I promise we're not going to do that today, but I've. Couldn't agree. I think Yuri Lehechka is just a better Marcos Giron. And, like, I mean that super complimentary to Marcos Giron in that just everything Giron does, I think Lehechka at his prime will do just, like, 15% better. And if Giron's a top 60 guy, obviously 15% better than that. You get towards the top 50. But the guy who was a top junior who had the pedigree and, yeah, had the pro success, wins, I think, his first challenger uh, season. And, again, I'm going to read it to you. I wonder if you can guess who this is. One of the achievements he had this year is not talked about enough. Back-to-back tour-level quarterfinals. You beat me to it. Back-to-back tour-level quarterfinals on different surfaces. Help that you probably wrote that two days ago. So you're like, yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) Weaker second half of the season, and I want to see him play a full year in challengers before I go nuts. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Couldn't agree more. Fun attacking style and a booming serve. I watch Dom Stricker play and I see a young chap evolve. I watch Dom Stricker play and I see a player who I will be shot. Uh, barring injury, Like I think if anyone's going to challenge Holger Rune, who's number one on my list, I'm not going to say where Holger Rune is on your list, if anyone's going to challenge Rune for number one, with all due respect to every other name, Stricker would have been the number two guy on my list because I watch Dominic Stricker play. And oh my goodness, is he talented. And I do think he has that combination of both the top-tier power, but then the fluidity in the outer thirds that you just can't replicate. And again... He just turned 19 years old in August. Like, next year is his age 19 pretty much season. He was 27-19 and this year, to your point. Quarterfinals Stuttgart on grass. Quarterfinals Geneva on the clay, of course. He won the Lugano Challenger heading into that as well. Now, it wasn't the most rigorous schedule for him this season, and we definitely need to see how does he hold up over a 50-week span. But, like, that's the question you want to be asking about a 19-year-old. I have no question about his tennis game. I am immensely high on Dominic Stricker. And, like, I know he's number five on your list. I swear to God that's too low, Damian. Like, to me, he's number two. Like, I go, Rune won him too. I guess all that is to say I know five is not low because, obviously, you think incredibly high of him. I, I wanted to phrase a question to you. Am I being nuts here? You're saying you want to watch a full year before you go nuts? I'm ready to go nuts. Like, if he has a full, complete season where, let's say it's Juan Manuel Serendolo-like, where, again, four challenger titles or something like that, and even without the ATP title, he's just that consistent week in, week out, will you be ready to go nuts about him entering next season? Absolutely. I mean, if he just
1: has that year where he, I don't know, he reaches the quarterfinals at most challengers he plays... Uh, wins i don't know two or three of them i guess one would be maybe not enough i don't know it's, it all depends on obviously what we would see in the in the actual matches but i am not really hoping yet for i don't know top 100 i don't need that give me these two challenger titles give me these consistent quarterfinals and i'm gonna be happy and i'm gonna be ready to go nuts uh <laughs> i i guess in in, in this uh, you know in this particular case I also looked at the results quite a bit like i really think that geneva stuttgart's run was insane i was probably ready to go nuts at, at the time but as i as i said in the tweet i mean the the second half of the season was undeniably very very uh you know uh silent let's say uh, in terms of streaker and i I'm i'm not sure what to think of that i i mean he's so young that's why I, that's why i'm saying that i want i want that full season i want to see how he consistently how consistently he can actually pile up results uh, i am super excited to watch him in australian open qualifying mm-hmm. that's gonna be that's gonna be his first yes. obviously uh, and the just the the opportunity for him to to show himself on the big stage no the the big stage obviously not the sure. the maybe the main road but not the main draw yet but still big courts a lot of people watching probably from the stream on, on streams not uh not there i don't know if, if they will if they will have any crowd for the qualities there who knows uh with, with how dangerous it is there with COVID. but anyhow uh i mean that's yeah I, I i am ready to go nuts if he has just i don't know a juan manuel serendolo season is actually a good comparison without that atp title yeah yeah like something like that three 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 to two challenger titles Good results throughout the year, and I'm not, and I'm going nuts. Yes. Yeah.
0: No, and again, that would be great. And uh, there are some players like, we could talk about all 50 on the list. They're all fascinating. There are a couple of things that you know. We've talked enough. Thomas Matchek. Like again, that's another guy we talk about every time you're on this show. Kasper Zook, a guy we talk about every time you're on this show. I you have a, some comments on them?
1: Yeah, I have actually a question because one of I my like uh, Twitter friends. Let's say, uh, I don't know if he's going to be listening, but uh, Diego Miranda. Oh, of course. Absolutely.
0: First of all, he is a Twitter friend. I got to get him on the show. I hope he is listening <laughs> to this. Diego, I'll tweet at you. We got to get him on because he is excellent. For the record, Damien, I consider you a real life friend, not a Twitter friend, you know, because we've actually messaged. Yeah, off I mean, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but so yeah. go on. I apologize. Yeah, I mean, I, I, sure. I go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, Diego is
1: still a Twitter friend to me yeah, because we sure. never interacted in any form of Zoom or whatever. I mean, of just uh, I guess we DM'd and and commented on each other's posts. But anyhow, uh, he uh, after I published the post on Zhuk, he was like 13th on my list, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, he co- uh, he commented and said that like uh, how much of this ranking is influenced by the nationality? Like he thought because I'm Polish i had him much higher than he should be mm-hmm. i was a bit surprised by that and that's my question to you like is it uh i, I because i felt like most people would have him around that sp- place by the way uh, julian had him at 11th so mm-hmm. uh so no, disag- no 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 not much disagreement there he also had Mahaj next to him which is which is very funny but i i believe one one po- spot higher or maybe one spot lower one spot lower maybe i i can't remember Never, uh, anyhow that's my question to you like is is that positioning of Juk weird in any way?
0: It's a great question. I am so biased on this question in particular because Kasper Juke is obviously a player I have been all in on. And he looked so good to start the 2021 season. No one won the months of January, February and early half of March quite like Kasper Juke. It just feels like in terms of the floors of these players, he's a guy with a higher floor, right? And it's almost in the Jason Singh model where it's just like, you know what you're going to get from him, effort in, effort out. I don't think there's a big technical glitch. I do think he's a guy who can take the ball early, beat you to the spot, you know, take it on the rise, head to the net and feel comfortable doing that. At the same time, there's... It's not an elite athlete... But athleticism and fluidity will never be a problem for Kasper Juke moving forward. And it's just hard to imagine the 24 or 25 year old version of that guy who has mature muscles and everything's just five miles per hour faster. It's really hard to see that guy not cracking the top 100 in the way that say, you know, again, a Zayn Khan, who's number nine on your list. And we're going to get to the Americans. We're going to get to the Frenchman. We're going to get to Nicola Kuhn. Those are the last ones here we're going to cover. We might go over that hour. Mark Damien. I apologize. You know, he has a higher floor than those guys. Like, I, I just think Kasper Zhuk is going to be very good for a very long time. You know, and maybe not exceptional, but very good for a very long time. Again, in the Davidovich-Fokina-Kasmanovic model. Sort of a blend of those two, where it's not quite as explosive as uh, Davidovich-Fokina, not quite as rigorously consistent as a Kasmanovic. <sighs> I don't think he's overrated on your list. I really like where he is. Now, I might even put him ahead of Echeverry just because I want to see Echeverry play more on the non-clay court surfaces. Like, I just feel like we're always seeing Echeverry on the dirt, and I've seen Zook have success. Now, he's, I think, at his best on indoor hard courts as most Polish people would be because that's probably what you grow up training in.
1: Actually, I mean, <laughs> this is funny because right now Poland has no indoor hard courts professional events.
0: Which is crazy. Like, crazy. Yes. Crazy
1: yes every single thing is on clay and i mean we grew we grow up on clay and and indoors that that you know clay in the summer indoors indoors, in i should have said
0: indoors more than more than the hard courts i feel like casper juke is at his best indoors more than anything else i there's a comfort level to him
1: sure yeah i mean i i I just this is slightly off topic but so many polish players would be uh, you know would actually benefit from events like this Yes. We've seen, uh, for example, in uh, in Warsaw this year at the Challengers, Simon Kielan won a a match against Goncalo Oliveira, which was a pretty crazy upset. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy who, I mean, how to compare him to anyone, anything else? I mean, he just plays tennis with himself. He either hits the ball in or he makes an error. It's that yeah. there's just nothing the opponent can do when he's playing well. And that style doesn't really work on clay. He, is, he actually won the mm-hmm. uh, Polish national championships indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, like obviously, Hurkać wasn't there, Mike Szak wasn't there, Żuk sure. wasn't there, but still, still a great achievement. Uh, and this is a guy who would really benefit if we actually had any indoor events. And Żuk, uh, you know, in the, in let's say in the 2020 season, for example, most of his success came uh, on clay which was always pretty surprising to me. Uh, but, I, but I do agree that indoors he's better. I think this is simply so, something that you know Clay will simply uh, he's go- sort of gonna run out of, of his game against better players on play. Mm-hmm. And at least that's what I'm assuming sure. uh, will happen. Even though his challenge the, the the challenger title that he won this year was was on play But yeah, uh, talking of underrated achievements, <laughs> I I, I told, uh, yeah, you know I spoke about strikers, uh to back back-to-back quarterfinals at at the ATP level. Djok had six consecutive challenger quarterfinals to start the year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to start the year, but I mean six 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 uh, from January to, to March or even to April, I think. So that that was something that that was quite shocking to me, even though I expected to him to do well this year because he had a fantastic finish to, uh, to 2020 post post the pandemic break, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with what you said. I'm not sure the floor is always there actually. There I've seen some matches that he, where he. Uh, I call it, I don't know if it's a phrase that anyone is using, but I call it baseball tennis.
0: I love it. I love <laughs> it. I totally understand what you mean. Oh, yeah, th- I, I've seen some matches like
1: that, and I'm, I'm not sure what to think about it. I want to see the consistency that he had in the first half of the season. To me, baseball I... tennis,
0: by the way, not to cut you off, is the mm-hmm. reflection of the indoor preference, where it's just like taking the ball cleanly, everything, there's no wind, oh, there's nothing bounce, You know. I think for him, that mm-hmm. baseball tennis, like I just feel like that is a reflection of the indoors. Uh, yeah, you disagree? I, I have
1: a, I have a little difference.
0: Good, I like uh, it. Give me your. Oh, no, you you
1: said uh, come again because I maybe I didn't understand you. No, uh,
0: to me the baseball tennis is a reflection of his comfort level indoors. Mm. In that when everything is clean and perfect and it's just right in front of him, that's when you're going to see his best. Okay. When it's not yeah, okay. clean and perfect, that's when the baseball tennis emerges. Yeah. Like that's yeah, where okay. I I, totally I understood
1: agree with it the you. the other way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I yeah.
0: totally get that, and this is actually
1: something that. Uh, you know i was just talking about shimon kelan and this is something that yeah. uh, a friend of mine actually talked he, he knew him better i i saw him for the first time in warsaw and this is like exactly what he said to me about kelan that when when there's no wind when there are perfect conditions that's when he's gonna you know yes. just hit the ball very cleanly and blast the winners and yes. and on clay outdoors it's tougher for him and yeah Zuc is a, is a similar type of player not that uh, he's not that powerful, but but I mean not also has a has some plan b <laughs> on the contrary to Gallan who probably wants really amass to anything. but yeah, Uh sure. Uh, yeah. so yeah, baseball tennis is is a phrase that that I've been using quite a lot.
0: yeah, no, I like that phrase. I'm definitely going to adopt it as well. With that said, Again, we could talk about every player on this list. We said we weren't going to do Juke. We ended up hitting Juke. It's inevitable, folks. Whenever Damian and I are together, I always want to pick his brain because no one knows Polish tennis quite like Damian. That said, again, I want to go by countries here and just kind of rip through some of these down the home stretch. Let's start with the Americans, and obviously the most prominent Americans on your list right now. Zane Khan, number nine. Shout out to the red meat you're throwing. you got to have a hot take in there. I'll say this. Zane Khan strikes the hell out of the ball, and if you go back, if you type Zane Khan great shot pod on you know Twitter, and you want to see my takes on him, I think it was Orlando at the end of last year when I watched him play. Was it Spida? I forget who he played in that Orlando Challenger in 2020, but I watched that match, and I just remember thinking, "What's that forehand like?" That forehand is different than everyone else's forehand out here, even the guys who are winning, and obviously for him he captured three ITF titles this year. It felt like he started to rein in some of the non-power tennis guard because he's a guy who will spray a ball and not be afraid of it. That is a guy who feels like very high ceiling. The floor is still a little bit undefined. Martin Dom obviously on this list and you know Ben Shelton's on this list as well. I would flip the order of those three. I would go Shelton okay. nine. Con10, Dom 18, or at least in terms of my top three. And obviously, again, let's be clear. Brooksby, Korda, Nakashima, age-wise, not other criteria, age-wise, would all qualify for this list. I think that's a reflection right now of the depth and the strength in American men's tennis. Also, you'd throw in a guy like Cannon Kingsley, who I believe is a 1999, who's one of those top players for Ohio State. You watch his serve his forehand – I don't think you can feel any worse about him as you do Martin Dom. Like, I do think there's a lot of similarities in the two of them. Dom, obviously, a little bit bigger, but I can a little bit more fluid. Like, but to me, Ben Shelton, man, like, again, I watched him as a 17, uh, as a 16-year-old, then as a 17-year-old. And just last year, what clicked for him in college tennis, and this is a college issue that I know doesn't relate to you, but... Talk about a guy who has the top gear, right, who can hit the big serve, hit the big forehand, is comfortable moving forward. Now, I don't think the passing shots in the outer third are quite developed yet, but I don't think he lacks for a second in fluidity, for a second in athleticism. And I do think he's got the sort of craftiness and feel to where, you know, I talked about earlier, I think it's tough for the power-based players to develop those passing shots. But for him, and not to use Shapovalov as the model, but it's just like, I think there is another gear for him. I think he's got the skills to develop plans B, C, and D, and he just hasn't done it yet. Your thoughts on all of the Americans, why you have them ranked the way you do?
1: yeah uh Zayn Khan I certainly didn't expect him to have it this high.
0: yeah uh,
1: but I mean i uh, during a lot the, to like. just yeah just eliminating the players i I was like, okay, this guy goes this guy goes and Khan always slipped through mm-hmm. and and i I, I loved it uh, i when I just rewatched, because I, I might I guess I did some preparation to uh to do the list I mean i I rewatched uh, for a few of these players whom I admittedly haven't seen that much uh i i watched a few of the, their rtf matches that were on youtube or or something like that and i mean uh when, when i when i started watching the can forehand more uh, and just thoroughly just 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 really looking into it i i got really mm-hmm. amazed by what this shot can do and i think the, the especially this year it got a lot more pop on it it got a lot more power and and the, the, the fluidity which is which is a word which you've been using so much in this yeah. in this spot. but this is really good i mean i I, but I think
0: it matters right fluidity in and out of uh-huh. corners is modern tennis
1: it is yes mm-hmm. i i that's a word i i don't feel like i've been using in yeah. my tennis coverage and i, I just might <laughs> steal it from you know,
0: it's all yours my friend it's The <laughs> least i can offer you
1: and I, he, he definitely has it too uh, and, and I believe that the, the potential he has is mostly based around that forehand, but to actually have it, you still need to have a very solid base around it, mm-hmm. uh, and Khan certainly has it. Uh, Dam, I think is one of the more preemptive
0: rankings That's on this it. list That's projecting, for. so again I think when you look in 2024 for the listeners I mm-hmm. agree with you, I do think that one could, it'll either age really well or horribly Yes, yeah. I, I I totally agree with that. I I think
1: he has a huge ceiling, but yes. I wouldn't really be surprised if his next year results aren't like yes. any better than this year's. Like hundred, that's a twenty. hundred yeah, percent agree. That wouldn't surprise me at all, and that's that this is I I would agree that this is one of the positionings that in a few years could make me look ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but then again, I think everyone who has a pretty good understanding of dum's game knows that the ceiling is there, but whether whether he will develop into a top player, I don't know. Uh, Shelton, you pr- definitely know a lot more than, than, than I do about him. I actually had to uh, had to watch a few of his matches before doing the list in order to have uh, a better idea of where I would place him because I only saw him in a few of oh, the Champagne ITF uh, and the US Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I don't know, maybe I was unlucky, uh, but there were a few of these, of these performances that I watched That just weren't that convincing i guess the 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 game wasn't as as explosive as i saw it in other matches uh i the the consistency certainly wasn't there Uh, and i just uh, i don't know i mean that this is certainly a player where i just see a lot of potential when he's playing well when he's in form but the the few matches that i saw which he lost lost to some players who probably won't be uh stars of the game in the future the the few matches that i that i decided to watch uh i i was you know i just i just was a bit iffy uh it it, it felt like he's just uh you know the, the the difference in the level that he can produce on a on on the given day could be uh could be just really really uh big and that's i don't know uh th- that's why i made him 18th you said that you would have him overcome
0: I, w- I would and it's because again mm-hmm. it's so funny you talk about Dom having the higher upside I like I I don't want to say I vehemently disagree and again this is my experience watching them in person this summer Whenever I watch Ben, as good as he is now, I just feel like, oh my God, like this kid did not start taking tennis seriously until he was 13, 14 years old. And it just feels like there are little nuances that just with more match repetition, he will pick up and he will get better at versus Martin Dom, who's been a professional since he was nine, you know, nine years old, who just, you watch him physically for a guy his size, his frame's already pretty filled out. And I kind of like where he's at athletically. And now that's not to say he's not going to continue to improve, but he plays big man tennis already. Like he is trying to hit the big serve, move forward, come to the net. Those instincts are already built. And while he can get better at the individual execution of it all, I don't know how much more dynamic the skill set can become. Like I feel like we see Martin Dom, this is what Martin Dom's going to be now. He'll continue to get much better at what he's going to be. But, like, I have no idea what Ben Shelton's going to be. It's just this ball of explosiveness, and I think you could say this about Zayn Khan as well, that it's just like, whoa, like, hold on, let, let's pause for a second. I'd like to see that again, please. And that, to me, is why, as crazy as that sounds with, you know, Dom having the frame that he does, that's why I have them all, you know, in, in reverse order. Or that's why I would put mm-hmm. Shelton to the top and, and mix it around, because, like, I, somehow I feel like Dom is more polished right now than Shelton is.
1: Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, you, even though I said that uh, yeah. I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be surprised if Dam Dam became a, know, a top twenty player, and I sure. wouldn't be surprised if he never breaks the top one hundred. Even <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not because I think his game is going to change majorly. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree that the current shape of Dam that we see is probably how he's gonna. Uh, how he's going to play in 10 years and mm-hmm. shelton yeah shelton is definitely much more puzzling and was very hard for me to uh you know to establish an opinion on yeah yep. uh, but i mean he was definitely always making the list uh mm-hmm. i i don't really i don't really watch college tennis shame on me yeah, that uh, <laughs> don't just... worry
0: it's something that's one of your new year's resolutions
1: yeah, I mean there's just not enough hours in the day. But yeah. I did watch a few <laughs> I did watch a few college matches. Uh I can't remember if, if Shelton actually you know when making the list. Uh and I mean uh yeah, he 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 definitely entertained me and I, I wanna see more. I just wasn't I don't know. I guess I just wasn't quite sure enough uh of, of the fact that he was gonna you know he was gonna be able to produce that that fantastic upside in fair and you can you cannot do it in every single match but consistently i uh, but admittedly i've seen much less of shelton than i did of Khan or Dump.
0: fair and it's very subjective of course and again we're not talking as much results as we are i test that's the fun of these lists it's projection it's by feel and for the record I think we are Crack Rackets are going to be able to provide you, Damien, with some more opportunities to not only watch college tennis over the course of the next year, but maybe even commentate on it throughout the course of the year as well. So just that's a little that's a little tease for you and the listeners as well. We can talk about oh, it more off mic, my friend. No, no, no. no yeah, it's, I promise. Good tease. Good tease. Um, all right. With that said, we're going to rapid fire through the rest of these because I promise I won't keep you too long. Although maybe I'll just bring you back for a part two of this podcast so we can talk about the takes we left behind. Because, like, I could do 10 minutes on Adrian Andreev. like having him <laughs> as low as he did I was like that's fascinating I was like because I am equally because I think others may have him a little bit higher he's former top 5 junior in the world all the success Yeah, oh, is he not former top 5 junior in the world I know, I No, no,
1: not what I'm talking about I, I just don't know if others would have him higher yeah, uh, I think maybe at the beginning of the season but since then I, I feel like there just hasn't been any exactly. discussion about exactly. him, exactly, and so that, any. I,
0: it just feels like he's fallen off a bit. I agree with you. And yeah. just like, what are the weapons? And so even like his defensive tennis is good, not great. Like there are other defense. Like I think Sung's defensive tennis is great. I don't know if I can it's say that better. Yeah, I exactly. It's better. Yeah, exactly. better, yeah. And so, but again, we're, we're not getting into Andreve because if we do that, we okay. almost open Pandora's box there. Do you see that? I'm raining us back in quickly, quickly. Yeah, I was, ready to try. Yeah, I was already sh- you know, <laughs> starting a take on why it's saying better I, than I'm I afraid, loved so. that. I, he- I heard it coming. I was like, no, David, no. <laughs> um, that's so funny. But all right, rapid fire through the end here. The Frenchman. You have Cazot at number four. You have, I believe, it's uh, at 15, 16. Who's the next Frenchman on your list? I want to say... Uh, Arthur Fees. Mis- oh, yeah, Arthur Fees. Who's, who's what? I want to say a little 16. bit lower down there. Yeah, 16 on the list. You've got Van Asha at 25. And, you know, again, uh, Pericard at 33. Are we going to get a French resurgence at all next year? Are, is France going to do next year what Argentina, the Czech Republic, and Italy did this year? Like, is that a fair expectation? Potentially
1: not next year, but they okay. have like two very strong. It's obviously not generations,
0: but I yeah. call them, let's call them generations. No, it's of fair. Juniors, three-year gaps, like guys who didn't compete yeah. necessarily against one another, but are all still young. Exactly. So that there's that
1: uh, Mayo and Kazo generation. Let's 100%. say that the the guys that played the 2020 Australian Open final between the between themselves, mm-hmm. and then there's that whole generation right now, which. Uh, this year at the French Open, we've had four uh, boys' singles semifinalists coming from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Sean Quenin hasn't really done that much since then because he mostly played juniors after mm-hmm. that. But these three, these three guys, uh, Asha and Bachi Perecard, have—I mean, each had a brilliant moment on the professional tour already. No one really got down to winning multiple ITFs or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. At least that's what I think. Mm-hmm. uh i i definitely saw them in in quarterfinal stages i think vanasha was a finalist of a 25k as well where mm-hmm. he lost to to e2 maybe or something like that no to yoris delor no, never mind i'm talking I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking sure. about these many uh very uh, these many not important things but i mean uh this is a like i always think of these three just when when I think of these, I think of vanasha and bechi, bechi Perry card as well. I think after that uh, that roan Garros uh, campaign that they all had, I sort of have them just combined in my head and I and I just think oh, when I think of their potential, I just compare them because it's it's very easy you know these are I think Fees is a year younger, but the um, Pachi Pericard and Vanasha are 17, he's 16. And they're just very easy to compare because they emerged at the at the very same time. Uh definitely Fees and Perci Pericard are the power players in that in that trio. Um Petri Pericard has a one-handed backhand that I just don't know if it's sustainable. I'm not an expert on technique, of course. I am not a coach or anything, but I, I've seen people who are uh you know say that that this is gonna be very hard to uh, you know, just not to get it attacked easily mm-hmm. that's why i have him the lowest of the three that's why i don't think of him <laughs> as highly sure. as i do of of fees and vanasha mm-hmm. vanasha seems very smart he's very consistent the the double-handed backhand is okay i uh, is yeah, okay he's great yeah uh, i think he's done the the most in the pros so mm-hmm. far out of these three uh, I'm mostly thinking of uh, a challenger quarterfinal that he had in in France. I think he lost to Bonzi in in three sets, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that so- another- as you say.
0: That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. In three sets to Bonzi, there was also another quarterfinal later. So like he's mm-hmm. doing very well. As I said, a, a final at the 25k. So he's doing very well in his early days as a pro. But I'm just not sure if it's not. I, I think it will run out earlier than what fees can. You know, can have and, uh, I mean, fees. I had so much trouble ranking because Mm -hmm. he's 16. Because you just never really know. But he does seem to me that he has that sort of special something. He is very fluid, I would say. Uh, He 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 can be wildly inconsistent, (laughs) but over the the last few years, I think I've started looking for. I don't know, just a a, one crazy shot in a player, maybe just just something that can let him win points easily, rather than the actual consistency of how he can do it. I think this might be wildly wrong, but I mean, for for the most part, I think consistency is easier to fix than actually, you know, finding that 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 one shot that you can uh, that you can start to excel because of it and i think fees will have it with the with the forehand his serve is not as massive as patchy perry cards but it's also very very workable and i think uh you know just because he's 16 i think there's still so much room to grow and probably uh this is a guy who out of these three has the most potential to me i think i think most people agreed with that mm-hmm. uh, Not not under the these particular tweets but Ever since uh, Ron Garros this year, uh, I've I've participated in a lot of discussions about these these three guys. Uh, I believe most people kind of agree with that. Although, I I remember that some wouldn't even have Mpeche Perry card on the list. Mm -hmm. I mean, Julien, for example, didn't have him in his top 50 for sure. I can't remember if he even had him in the the top 100. But he was, in general, very... uh, I guess he was underestimating French players a lot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, um, I, I I love I agree with you on Kizzo. I would be on that camp as well. You watch the serve. You watch just again the forehand there's a lot to like about his game. I, I completely the agree. fluidity. Yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. But yeah it's it's true. just it's stricker esque. Like I'm not trying to make that big of a comparison yet I I think Don. well, I would flip them in the rankings as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But um I think projecting forward, because again, Kazo's so young also and it's just like There's a lot to like about the the complete package he brings to the game. So, no, I appreciate the breakdown of the French. And, again, I feel like we've talked about the Italians enough. Musetti, Sinner, Nardi, there's a ton of them to love as well. That said, we're going to rapid-fire here down the home stretch. You ready? Mm -hmm. One minute, Nicola Kuhn. I I think next year's Stefan Kozlov is going to be him. Like, I— could not agree with your placement on the list more. He's taken a lot of lumps the past two years. I don't care. I love that you have him all the way up at number eight on your list. Make the case.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I totally agree. We actually had a podcast already when yeah. we called Nikola Kun, uh, a, a Spanish at the time. Stefan Kozlov, he's, yeah. in, he's now re- back to representing Germany. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, uh, just the peak level is still insane. And insane!
0: It was e- I, yes, yes, preach. It sorry. was
1: easy to forget about it, right? Yes. Like It was easy to forget about it during the last two years when he couldn't win consecutive matches, I believe from February 2020, mm-hmm. Koblenz to, to Mallorca this year. Mm-hmm. So like 15 months or something. It was he bad. It was re- it had a really
0: bad 15 months.
1: Yeah, but he he also told me when I was talking to him in stretching that he started working more, like he started working hard. If it makes sense, I mean I don't know how uh, how serious he was, like what what was he doing before? But he he got a new coach who seems to be be working well with him, and just that little that there's been signs that this peak is still there, and stretching was particularly important in that. I don't know if my perception of this run would have been the same if i wasn't on site for this event Mm -hmm. like for for example i i I believe i tend to think of players uh for the for for, you know in a completely different way that's one thing but also i tend to think higher of the players who whom i see live Mm -hmm. i i I don't know if that's um if that's just you know my luck that i get to see some good talents uh but but i i i do uh, I do see that uh, sometimes uh, watching watching a player live can can be can just be very perspective changing and potentially maybe I am overrating what Kuhn did there. But the the level he at he at which he played the whole tournament he obviously didn't win it. But just because of a back injury, he was up five two ons then a collage in the semis. That when it happened, he actually even at four one he was asking for for pills already. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I believe he totally would have ended that tournament as the as, a, as the winner i believe his level there there was just you know top 50 it's just not saying much really like yeah. top 50 is not saying much mm-hmm. and even though there's been just a few matches after that where he performed at the you know, towards the end of the season where he performed at the very same level i believe yeah i i think this is a guy who is just next season is probably where he if he can bring that sort of intensity again, if he can bring that sort of uh, good work in the off with the coach, uh, I think he can be uh, another next year's Stefan Kozlov as well. Yeah,
0: I love it. All right, next guy Zizou Bergs, and this is for you, Betty, because I know you've listened to this one—the <laughs> only one who makes it this deep. So we had to do 30 seconds on him. Love the size, love the weapons. Got better on clay, as you mentioned, my term, and we're gonna get back to it. I don't love the movement. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a little see, I was the thing is I got burned. I was wrong about early Sitsi Pass because I worried about his fluidity, his strength, and I look at him now. I don't think anyone would question his movement in the outer thirds of the court. That said, like That's the best of the best. And to say Zizou has to make a pass like jump with his fluidity to just get a little bit better with his defensive skills. Like, I do like his aggressiveness. Again, I do like the size that he has. Seven might be a hair high. I'm sorry, Betty. Don't block me. You know I love you. Seven feels just a hair high.
1: Okay. I actually expected to have him higher. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I definitely had Kazo lower than him. And mm-hmm. then just writing down the uh, the player on the on December 26th, I thought, okay, that's where I'm going to put Berks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he reaches insane heights. Mm-hmm. I am just not convinced it's going to happen. And that's why I have him at seventh, not at I don't know, number two or something like that, which is probably where I think he's potential ceiling would be just behind my number one player still not still not gonna tell if it's Mm -hmm. if it's rune or Baez. yeah Uh, but anyhow yeah i mean uh i think he's an okay mover i i don't think that's really going to be an issue uh i'm i'm really not sure what i'm (laughs) what i'm missing in terms of berks you know i just i just think that that's a it's a pretty complete package i think his results at su- his results at some points this year were quite were a bit underwhelming but then who am i to complain after he wins three challenger events in the first half of the season yeah <laughs> and and i just i'm just not sure if he's i don't know this is very subjective but i'm just not sure if he's gonna become the possibly best version of himself sure like there are some players i made this argument about flavio Cobolli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't even know what it's based about but he, seeing his not, not, not to say that Sizu doesn't have a good work ethic or something like that but I don't know just seeing Koboli compete seeing him uh, seeing him play makes me think that this guy is gonna become the best version of himself that he's just gonna you know whatever he can do with his career it's Andre it.
0: Rublev it's literally the Andre Rublev factor where it's just like I guarantee you yeah. Rublev will maximize every ounce of his talent now what is that talent I don't know but that's that's the guy I turn to mm-hmm. there where you're just like you know this guy is doing everything possible
1: yeah, exactly. And it's not to say that Zizu won't, you know, won't work hard or something like that. Yeah. i just not sure if he's going to fulfill his potential, I guess. Sure.
0: Uh, is it too high? 7th? Uh, My thing is it's I just because I think he will be top 100, Betty. So hopefully you love me again. It's just top 50, top 30. I think there are other guys on this list who can okay. push that sort of level. I don't know if Zizou can. And to me, okay. that would be why I have him a little bit lower than others. But all right, with that said, last thing we're going to do here. Ready? Let's rapid fire through. I'm going to talk about some other guys mm-hmm. who might have been eligible for your list. You tell them—you tell me, excuse me, if you would have had them top five or not. And obviously, we're skinning, skipping Sinner, FAA, Chapo, Elkaraz. Those are all must things. Would Demon Hour have been top five? I think so so I, I I don't know if this, I love the hesitation be... for the la- record. That was
1: great. And someone told me this year that he he has been figured out or something like that. <laughs> it's not I, a terrible I don't, take. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs>
0: I just don't think w- he played w- well this year. What's there to
1: figure out? Yeah,
0: I agree. I just don't uh, up think up until
1: well. Eastburn. Up until yeah, Eastburn. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so I just think yeah, he just again I just think it was a little off. But again, Corda uh, would be top five. And again, we need just straight yes. Yeah, or no. yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, for
1: sure, for sure.
0: Yeah. Davidovich yeah. Fokina.
1: <laughs> Maybe just behind the top five. I don't know if I if I quite see him know, mm-hmm. going to the top ten or something like that. I think where he is right now is a good spot for him. So love.
0: Like no, it's fair. It's it's not a bad take. Brooksby.
1: Yeah, probably. I I'm not sure. I see grandson winning potential there, but but top ten ish.
0: Yeah, for no. sure. Here's the interesting ones. Ready, Musetti. Mm-hmm
1: yes even though he had mm-hmm. a, these all these issues this year i once made a hilarious take like hilarious <laughs> when you're looking at it like yeah. not right now that musetti is gonna have a better career than sinner
0: oh that's a great uh, take that's what you throw with hey, i had a take that i didn't think djokovic was gonna win much more than 20 grand slams and i fired it off on december in november of 2020 and then he won mm-hmm. the next three so yeah i, I know the, the- feeling yeah, but
1: uh, that he wasn't going to win what? Much 20? more than
0: 20 grand slams. I was like, he'll, be, he'll get to 20, but will he get like past 21, 22,
1: not He still hasn't won his 21st. So mm-hmm. you might be, you I might agree. be right. And, and I, I got, might be right about Musetti. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. This is what
1: I'm saying. Hold on to the take a little bit longer. Actually, there was an interview with Sinner where he said the very same thing, mm-hmm. uh, like a couple of months later. No, but, oh, 100%. Uh, I think no one believes it right now after musetti had that weaker second half of the season i think his best assets don't work uh j- just as consistently as sinner sure. he cannot really do that easily just you know his his style is not really based on weapons but more on the iq the flair so it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to, to judge whether he will actually still you know still go to these heights where i expected him to go but i mean i i'm not expecting his second half of the season to be uh, what he's going to be showing later like in terms of sheer natural uh, natural potential i think he, he has to make that top five of of my list if he was eligible mm-hmm. but then again i mean this year i would just say it's it's been struggles other than Uh, on the court I mean it's been it's been a tough mental year for him as well Uh, a break of his girlfriend I think he's
0: the first guy who has plan B has plan C has plan D but what the hell is plan A for Lorenzo Musetti? yeah exactly he's got plans it's just let's get those plans organized I agree with you Uh, again Mm -hmm. I apologize I don't mean to be rude I just have to hop to another interview so I need straight yes no's from you from here on in I'm sorry yes no 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 don't apologize this has been an excellent I I warned you beforehand that I could do I was like, this might be a two-hour podcast if we're not careful. Popperin, yes or no? No, probably not. Yeah, I agree. Gaston, yes or no? No, for sure not. Completely agree. Nakashima, <laughs> <I'm on. laughs> yes or no?
1: Yeah. Sure. It,
0: I agree. Kasmenovich.
1: No. Ooh. I'm going to have you, you back on yes? the
0: show. I would say yes. I'm going to have you. Myomir Kasmenovich to me, is one of the most polarizing players entering 2022 for the hardcore fans. Like, to me... He should be better than he is. And, like, so Surindolo, Surundolo, yes or no? Uh, which one? <laughs> Juan Manuel, excuse me. Uh,
1: let's say yes, but it's, like, a very, very, um, you know. Tentative. Uh, a tight, yes. Yeah, yeah, tentative, yes, if you may. Uh. See,
0: to me, I'm Team Kasimenevich over Team Surundolo, but I think it's very similar for both. So that might be a separate podcast. Okay. Mute, yes or no? No, no. Agree with you. Rusevori, yes or no? Not top five, but top ten-ish. Yeah, I love his power. And I think he gets more and more fluid. I think there's a little pass in Roussevori oh. in terms of athletically. And so it's interesting to me. Obviously, Baez, Rune have yet to be unveiled on your list. Maybe they will be. Maybe they won't be. You'll have to tune into Twitter to see the final two in your top 50. But with all of that said, Damian Kust, you are fantastic. Any final thoughts on this exercise? Uh... Uh, no, I mean I, I'm not sure if I'm gonna do it again, but it was pretty <laughs> fun. I hope
1: in I hope in like 2026, uh, you know, no one is gonna is gonna come back to this and just uh, you know. Uh, well, I will. Laugh I, ar- at me. I
0: already scheduled mm-hmm. in my iPhone 2026 revisit <laughs> Davian's date uh, because I think it's fantastic. My only thing is next time you do it, get paid for it because yeah, it's a hell of a lot of work, right? So that's. <laughs> okay lock. honestly write uh, write
1: one small tweet uh, yeah. <laughs> every single day i mean is it yeah. uh, julian had a lot more work actually because his tweets are like uh he lists the good sides of of a player poor yeah. you know his he's uh, what what he does wrong his performance he also writes some like his tweets about a player are like in in um, mine i just try to keep it down to the one single tweet obviously character limit is an, an absolute joke uh, but he gets like free per each or something like that and his his thread was a lot more hard work uh, i but i would like to be paid for it i mean if someone is
0: listening and wants, wants to pay me for this next year then i would do it for sure <laughs> i love to hear that well of course as always you can read All of Damien's work, either on our website, CrackRackets.com, for last word on tennis for numerous other sites Damien contributes to. Of course, you can hear him every Monday on the Great Shot podcast feed. He and Yaka Babro breaking down the latest and greatest developments over on the ATP Challenger Tour. Of course, I am going to make a better effort to get you on this show more frequently moving forward throughout 2022 as well, because hopefully, as you listeners can tell, I really enjoy the opportunity to chat with you, my friend. I feel like we always get extraordinarily depth and we nerd out and I think that is something that I know the tennis community enjoys. Of course, if you'd like to hear our other nerd out sessions of this offseason, you can find all of our content from the past month on our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, Mini Break Podcast. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack you want to message me or Damien directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. He's at Damien A shout out as always to to our super producer, Max Flegner and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. With all of that said, Damien, I told you this at the start. Let's see if you remember. For my fantastic co-host, Damien Kust, our super producers, Flegner and Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Damien, what do we tell the people? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, my friend.